Hey, we close out our series today. We've been talking about breaking free for the last several weeks. And um, for the series, it, is, it has been great. And if you haven't seen the messages or listened to them, go to our webpage. Listen, I, I'm telling you, I only preached one of the messages in the series. Every one of the messages is phenomenal. And I already heard the one today. Phenomenal. And the vision for the series was to have people share their struggle. And so Cam opened up, and he struggles with everything. That's why he opened up. And so and he, did, he knocked it out of the park. I told him it was the best message I've ever heard him preach. And then we had Jason Laffin, our missionary from Mexico, who talked about anger, his struggle with anger. And he killed it. And then we had Scott, who talked about his struggle with depression. And I, I listen, it was the best message I've ever heard him preach. And then they had me, and it was all right, but they let me stay here. So anyway... And I talked on anxiety because I struggle with it. Well, anyway, I was thinking about this series months ago, and I heard Allie teach on codependency. She was at our uh, Celebrate Recovery Ministry on Thursday night. She taught on codependency, and I heard her message, and I heard her story. I heard her struggle, and I told her that night, I said, you're going you're to share this at South. And so Allie is sharing the message today. Now, I want to share this with you. Anybody that takes the stage does so under the authority of me as the campus pastor, but even more so of our elders that are like the guardrails for the church. And I've already heard the message. She knocks it out of the park. And so I want to share that with you. And I want you to welcome Allie warmly. Give her a hand. Uh, hello. I'm so excited this morning. And I, can I just say... Um, really quickly though, thank you to Gary because like to even have this series in church is huge. I wish, <laughs> yeah, give him a round. I'm gonna get this on. I wish that um, I had had something like this a long time ago <laughs> because of my struggles that I had and the struggles that I was completely oblivious to. So I'm super excited to share this um, with you guys today and just a little bit about my story and what the Lord has done because codependency had a stronghold in my life for uh, many, many years and really most of my life, even from childhood to teen years into adulthood, marriage and motherhood, codependency just ravished my life, my relationships, and I was oblivious to it all. I had no idea what was going on or why I was struggling so bad. In fact, there were times that I wondered, like, where are you, God? Like, where are you in this mess? Why am I having to go through all of these things? And I didn't really understand. But then six years ago, six years ago, like only God can do, he showed up in my life in a radical way. And he transformed my life. I'm sorry. He transformed my life and my relationships better than I could have ever imagined. That's actually one of my favorite verses. It says, now God, all glory to God, who is able to do imme immeasurably more than we can think or ask. And that is so true. And I saw that truth in my life. And I'm just excited to get to share with you what he did in hopes that it'll enlighten you or encourage you or maybe save you from some of the destruction that happened in my life. So are y'all ready? I'm so excited. So codependency, how many of y'all were like, 
what is codependency when you heard like those were the topics? Yeah, you can raise your hand, it's okay. Um, that was me. So six years ago, I was Googling <laughs> what is codependency because I had no idea what it was. And then the more I researched, the more I read about it, I was like, oh, <laughs> that is what that is. So what it means, the term codependency can be defined as an addiction to people, behaviors, or things. It's a false belief that you can control your own inner feelings by controlling or manipulating people, things, or even events around you. The term codependency actually originated in uh, the 70s in the Al-Anon circle. It was um, Al-Anon, for those of you who don't know, it's like the counterpart of AA, AA for Alcoholics Anonymous. And so Al-Anon was for the families of. So the codependent term originated there because the codependent is the counterpart or the enabler of the addict or alcoholic. But since then, we've seen that it affects so many more people than just the family of addicts and alcoholic. Codependency has no prejudice. That's the truth. There's no prejudice because it will affect, actually most of us struggle with it. We just don't know it. It'll affect young, old, male, female, um, believers, non-believers. It affects everybody. And often we don't even know that the frustrations and struggles that we're dealing with in our life and in our relationships are actually from a root cause of codependency. In fact, like all the topics that we've talked about, anger, anxiety, depression, they all stemmed from a root of codependency in my life. So what does codependency look like? How do we identify codependency in our life? It can be when we define our worth by what other people think or feel about us. It could be when our good feelings about ourselves stem from the love or approval that we can get from another person. It's when we go out of our way to make sure that others' needs are met. Um, we go out of our way to make sure that everybody's okay. And the result of that for me in my life was low self-esteem. Um, Codependents focus on pleasing and protecting others. They also will lose their own feelings to share the feelings of others, of that other person. Um, a codependent feels like the other person is a reflection of themselves. I think this often affects um, parents, but it can also affect spouses because, you know, if um, my son made a bad choice, then that means it's because I'm a bad parent, but that's a lie that is just codependency. And that's what codependency does. It lies to us, right? Um, codependents ignore their own values, maybe sometimes to be close to another person. Um, codependency is a lack of self-love and an inability to set boundaries. We just can't say no. Codependence, we can't say no. We give our power away because we don't want to feel the rejection that's maybe going to come from you. Um, we like to walk on eggshells, egg right? And that's when I'm not going to say something or I'm not going to do something or maybe I am going to do something that I don't really want to do, but I'm going to do it because I'm afraid I'm going to lose you or I'm doing it out of fear of rejection. You're going to be unhappy with me if I do or don't do this. And that's what codependency looks like. So there's two different types of codependence. 
So codependency is huge, you guys. <laughs> it's huge. But there's two different types, the disempowered codependent and the falsely empowered codependent. So the disempowered codependent is the wounded child. They develop these traits in childhood and it's out of their experiences. They're the people pleasers that wanna make everybody happy and they actually find their self-worth in helping other people, right? They take value in that. And then the falsely empowered codependent, this is the adapted wounded child. This is where they, it's a means of survival, like out of self-protection, we have developed these things. So I actually struggle with a little bit of both of them. So the over-empowered, falsely empowered, they're the superhuman savers. They're the ones that are going to fix everything. Um, I am, or also they're enablers, right? And that was me in my life. I was an enabler. And see, enabling is a little bit different than helping, right? Sometimes we think, well, I'm just helping. But what enabling is, is it's actually when you go out of your way to protect the person as to make sure that they don't feel the full impact of the consequences. So it's different than helping because we're allowing that person to stay irresponsible with their behavior, right? And so that's what enabling looks like. And all of these relationships, these codependent relationships, they can be had with a parent. It could be with a spouse. It could be with a child. It could even be with a friend or maybe another family member. And so codependency just affects so many relationships. And I think it's important to not just know what it is, but where it comes from in order to heal the trauma or to change the things. I'm jumping ahead right there because that's what we have to do. We have to heal the trauma. So if we want to change these patterns, we have to look at where they came from, where they originated, and that comes from looking at our own trauma. And I think, you know, sometimes we don't want to talk about trauma. Like it almost feels... Um, like harsh, but the truth is most of us has experienced some form of trauma at some point in our life. So simply put, trauma is anything that has happened to you that has changed your beliefs about yourself, others, or God for the worse. So has there been an experience in your life, something that has happened to you that made you think differently about God? Or maybe it made you think differently about yourself or someone else. I think we all have. Um, this could look like witnessing violence. Um, it could be, I see often in uh, the landing, the teen ministry that we do, um, death of a loved one. Grief creates trauma in our lives because we think, well, if God could let this person die, then how could he be a good God? But that's changing our beliefs in how we see God. And that's a form of trauma. It could be neglect, not getting your needs met. It could be um, a learned behavior. This is something that I was guilty of as, as a parent, that um, like if my kids saw me crying, he would come running up and just be like, are you okay, mom? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. Come here, give me a kiss. You make everything better, right? And it seems like, you know, in my mind, I'm protecting him from what I'm going through. But what I'm actually doing is hurting him because now he has developed this mindset that he's responsible for my feelings. He makes me feel better, right? And that's not what we want. And so, like, I didn't know that 
And I think it's important to understand as parents, like we're gonna screw it up. <laughs> like it's just gonna happen, we're gonna screw it up. There's gonna be some trauma in our kid's life no matter what. But see, and we do the best we can until we know better. And then we know better, then we can do better. And so now conversations with my son say, you know what, I'm not okay right now, but I'm gonna be okay and I've got Jesus and we're gonna work through this and you are not responsible for my feelings and what I'm going through. And that's a healthy relationship to have. And so when we know better, we can do better, but we just have to walk through that trauma and see where it came from and what caused it, because the truth is there are no perfect families in this world. There's just not. Dysfunctional families are everywhere. It's just everywhere. We are an imperfect people trying to love a very perfect God, right? And thank goodness that he accepts us as we are. And so if you are thinking about some kind of trauma, if like even that word just creates attention, in your body, I want you to know that your, your trauma is valid and what you went through happened and it does matter, but also sometimes we need help walking through it. Sometimes we need help revisiting those areas. And so getting connected in a growth group or in Celebrate Recovery or Step Studies are fixing to start up at Celebrate Recovery and they don't, like you don't have to be in Celebrate Recovery to take a step study but revisiting that trauma in healthy ways with the right people is important. Um, I ended up having to see a trauma specialist for a little bit. It was a trauma therapist. She was a biblical counselor and she saved my life because she helped me walk through the pain and the trauma that I had gone through in a healthy way to look at it differently. And so that is so important. So if that's you and you need the help, don't be afraid to ask for it. Eastridge has a list of biblical counselors that are willing to walk you through what you experienced in your life so that you can look at it differently and heal from it. And there is no shame in that, you guys. It is actually the most courageous thing you can do. It really is. So I wanna share with you a little bit about my dysfunction. My, um, my mom was the daughter of an alcoholic. Her dad was an alcoholic and she never learned how to deal with her trauma. So she was um, a little bit angry. I felt like she was a little emotionally absent. And so that's where I realized and looking back at my past is where I realized that's where my original people pleasing came from because I felt like it was my responsibility to make people happy. I knew that I never wanted to make anybody upset with me. I wanted everybody to just love me and like be proud of me and uh, seek approval. But what ended up happening was because I put everybody else's needs before my own. Then, like I said earlier, I had low self-esteem. And because of my low self-esteem and the fact that I could not set any boundaries, I ended up in abusive relationships because I thought, well, if I love them enough, they'll change, you know? Eventually, they'll get better. I thought that I could enable and fix, but what I really did was just ruin myself because I made excuses for them, and I tried to um, fix. I lied about the behavior because I didn't want anybody to know about it, and 
healing the trauma was the best thing that I did, you know, and looking at it and admitting the struggle, right? So we have to admit what we're going through and there's nothing wrong with that. And then we have to accept God's help because he is ready and willing always to help us through our stuff. We just have to acknowledge our need for it. And that's the thing. We can't accept his help until we acknowledge our need for it. And he's ready to help us. And so even in Jeremiah um, 6, 14, it says you can't heal a wound by saying it isn't there. Y'all, I tried. I tried to just let time heal my wounds and just say it's not there, but that's not true. It's what you do at the time that makes the difference. So we have to be like Paul. Paul writes, he says, um, when he says that I know nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I want to do what's right, but I can't carry it out. I relate to that so much because I just mess up all the time, right? But he's accepting and saying, yeah, I'm not perfect, right? And so that's what we have to do is like him accept. And that doesn't just mean that I accept that this is who I am. This is just the way I am. This is how God made me. No, I'm sorry, but that is an excuse to keep living in sin. That is what that is. But when we accept and say, you know what? I am powerless to control my tendency to put my value in other people. And you say, you know what, God, I am powerless to want to try and fix other people to make myself feel better. And we admit those things and we name those struggles. That is when God steps in and makes the change we need. And we see later on in that scripture where Paul is talking about, I am messed up, right? He goes on to say, thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank God the answer is Jesus because I can come to him and say, here I am. I think we're afraid to do that because we think he can't handle our junk or something, but he can He already knows. And so thank God the answer is Jesus. When we become aware of our problem and we become aware of our struggle and we accept our part in the struggle, then we can truly open up to the Lord and say, okay, God, have your way. What do you want to do in my life? See, I spent so much time obsessing over other people and making them happy that I didn't feel God was present. I spent so much time trying to fix people and then being frustrated, God, why aren't you fixing these people? Because I was in the way. You know, if someone were to go into like cardiac arrest right now, like, please don't do it, okay? But we could perform CPR on that person for a time. But unless that heart decides to start beating on its own, We cannot continue to perform CPR for the rest of our lives. But why do we do that? We try and perform CPR on people that are not willing to change. And we don't have the power. I don't know who needs to hear that because I needed to hear it a long time ago. That only God can change a heart. Only God can change a heart. And there's nothing we can do about it. We just have to trust that his timing is always perfect. And if he wants to change a heart, he will. And so what you do in the meantime is you hit the floor. On your knees, you pray for the Lord to make those changes. Because if we want healthy relationships, we have to pursue it within ourselves. 
right? We have to pursue it within ourselves and understanding that if we want healthy boundaries or I'm just skipping ahead. Just see what I did. I looked at that clock and I was like, I need to go. If we want healthy relationships, we have to pursue healthiness within ourselves. But understanding that also under, you have to understand that you just can't have healthy relationships with an unhealthy person. But that's when boundaries come into play. And so for a lot of us, we fear codependence, especially we feel like boundaries is a bad word, right? It's a bad word. But if you're an unhealthy person, you may hear the word boundaries and think, oh, that's controlling, right? But boundaries are God's idea. They're not used to control or manipulate other people. They're used to prioritize maintaining healthy relationship. So not only are boundaries good, they are also God's idea. Because we see in the Bible, the very first noted conversation with Adam and Eve was a boundary. Because he told them they were free to eat of anything in the garden. You're free to do it except for the tree of knowledge. So not only do we see here a boundary, but we also see a consequence because what happened? They left that close walk with God. They had to leave the garden because of that. And even Jesus demonstrates boundaries because he died for our sins, but he didn't die to enable them. He died for them, not to enable them. And we see it in, in the, um, the passage where uh, the woman is coming and they want to stone her. And he says, let he who is without sin cast this first stone, right? Well, at the end of that story, it says in John 8, 10 through 11, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. See, he tells her to go and sin no more. He didn't say, okay, you got a free pass. Just keep on living your life of sin. No, he says, go sin no more. That's what he tells us. That is a boundary and boundaries are safe. Boundaries are good and they help us to have relationships. So I love this thing um, that it's a tool that I learned through therapy, but it's called access and responsibility that. Uh, Lisa Terse talks about in Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, and it's access and responsibility. And so um, what it is, the holy temple, right? The further you go in, the deeper you go in, the more access that's granted, the more responsibility is given. And so what I figured out in my life was a lot of times I was frustrated in my relationships because I was given all of this access to someone who couldn't rise to the responsibility, specifically my mother, um, she was just not able to handle some of the things that I wanted. And so I was constantly frustrated and friction. But then when I learned to lower that responsibility and give her a little bit less access, then our relationship healed and mended. And later I was able to raise her access back up. And we even see this with Jesus. He had the multitudes that he was around. And then he had his disciples that he spent more time with. And then he had the three that we're his closest people. And so we feel like we have to be everything for everyone and give everybody all this access. And in the end, we're just drained. So what we have to do is just 
listen to the Lord, right? Draw close to him because it helps us to love better. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, y'all know this passage. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It isn't irritable and it keeps no records of being wronged. You guys, my codependent tendencies, my people pleasing and enabling and being a doormat, that made me bitter. It made me resentful. It made me self-righteous. It made me rude. It made me jealous of everybody in all these healthy relationships. And that's the opposite of how God tells us to love. That is the opposite. So boundaries help us to love better. They help us to love well so that we're not jealous or angry. Um, because, you know, codependency, it's, it's a lie. We said that, right? It's a lie about what love is. It tells us that if I give them everything, they're going to love me back. It tells me that, you know, if, if they like me, then... I'm doing good. If I help everybody, then I'm a good person, right? Those things may be true, but at what cost? It cost me my sanity. It cost me my relationship with my family. It cost me my relationship with the Lord because I was putting everybody else and everything else before him. You know, it also says in Matthew that Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And if we're too busy people-pleasing, we are not putting the Lord first. I love, I love that Trey Bailey one time said during communion, thought, are we trying to have a friends with benefits relationship or a true relationship with the Lord? Man, that rocked me because I realized that in my life, I had this relationship of convenience. I would come to him when it was convenient for me, but we have to put him first and love him first. That's the greatest commandment, you guys. And a second, equally important, this is the next verse. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. See, I was under the impression that as a good Christian, I had to love everybody more than I loved myself. I had to love everybody more but God encourages self-love, and a love of self is the basis of all healthy relationships. We have to love the Lord first, because if we're filling a void with people, it's never going to satisfy us, because we're trying to get people to fill a void that only God can fill. God wants to do immeasurably more in your life than you can think or ask. He wants more for you the band's going to come up and we're going to have a time to just worship and surrender to the Lord. And I want you to know that the answer is Jesus. Whatever struggles you've been going through in your relationships, in your life, the answer is Jesus. It has always been Jesus. It will always be Jesus. The loneliness, the emptiness is Jesus. We need to learn how to look at his life and how he loves so that we can live and love like Jesus. I think so many times we want to make idols of others or make idols of 
ourselves because we think, I got this. I got this. That was my life for so long. But God is just there waiting for our surrender so that he can come and move in our lives and do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. And if you weren't aware, he has been pursuing you for a long time. He's been pursuing your heart. And if you would just make him first, if you would make Jesus the center of your life, you would see that his way is better. He's always been there for you and he can heal every relationship. He really can, but it starts with our surrender. And so as we sing this last song, I encourage you to listen to the Lord and what he's convicting in your life, what he wants to do, how he wants to move, accept it. If he wants you to come up to the altar and lay those people down that you've been stressing over and worrying about, then lay them here. If he wants you to stand and surrender, if he wants you to come up here and seek prayer, listen to that. Run to it because you know what? We've spent enough time running from God. It's time to run to him and let him have all of you. Every lie, every fear, every relationship, every doubt, let him have it. So I wanna pray for you guys. And I want you to just follow the Lord and what he has for you. And we'll be up here if you need prayer. I'm more than willing to pray for you. Gary will be here, but I'm gonna pray right now. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you work all things out for your good. I, God, I thank you that your power is made perfect in our weakness, that we can just come as we are before you, God, and that with that surrender and that acknowledgement, God, you are the answer and you can heal all of those things. So God, I thank you for what you're doing in this house. God, I thank you for this series. I thank you for the awareness that we all have. I thank you for the awareness of your presence in this room, God. And so I just pray that you would move however you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.